You're listening to Saturday Morning Rewind with your hosts, Tim and Gary. Grab a bowl of Lucky Charms, put on your hammer pants, hammer pants, hammer. slip on your power glove, and relive your childhood with a show dedicated to the love of animation. I am the terror that flaps in the night. Disney. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. And so much more. It's time for Saturday Morning Rewind. Well, hello there, Toonsters, and welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Rewind with Tim Nidell. I am not Tim Nidell, but I am Gary Lane, and today we're doing something kind of different. Tim's had a lot of things going on lately, so we're just giving him a bit of a break, and today I'm stepping up from my usual co-host position to lead host. And uh, with me, I have a very special guest that, if you're a regular listener to the show, then you've probably heard his name mentioned, oh, I don't know, a time or 12. And uh, if you're a hardcore listener to the show, then you'll probably know him from some past interviews that we've had both with him and that he's performed for our show. So with no further ado, please welcome to the show from DAF Radio, Jason Schlierman. Hey, Disney After Nerds, how's it going? Thank you so much for coming on, Jason, and kind of being my co-host on this episode. It's a little bit yeah, different. of course. This is only the second episode ever that Tim has not been a part of, so it's it's a little odd, but... He will be in it in spirit because, well, obviously a majority of the episode will be around a panel that he hosted. So why don't you tell us about that? That's right. Well, you know, I'm I'm happy to, to do this because as I will explain, Tim and you stepped up to help me. And we've been on each other's shows before, so it's just we're all one big happy family. So I brought with me, Disney Afternoon, something really cool, and that's the audio from the DuckTales 30th anniversary panel that uh, we, you know, Center Morning Rewind and DAF Radio got together to put together last fall for Los Angeles Comic-Con. It's it's really cool. And so I just kind of wanted to sit down with uh, Gary here and, and just kind of talk about it a little bit. Uh, it's, it's really cool. I hope that some of the Toonsters out there actually got to go to it live. It's always better to do these things live. You know, you're there, you're part of it, you're part of that energy. But I really feel that it's just as valid to get to go back and listen to it or watch it on YouTube, whatever, and and still enjoy it. And that's ultimately why I've been able to put a lot of these panels together, why I wanted to put a lot of these panels together, because it's kind of like the DVD extras Disney will never release. That's kind of how I've seen it, you know. (laughs) That's a very good comparison. Exactly, exactly. And so I don't know how many of your listeners are aware of the LA Comic Con panels that I've been a part of. This was actually the third year that we did this. Uh, Although the first year that I wasn't able to attend, but again, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So a couple of years ago, 2015... Uh, long story short, I put together a 25th anniversary panel for the Disney afternoon. And what was great about that panel, besides the fact that it was my very first big panel that I actually moderated and put together was that we were actually just a few days away from the actual 25th anniversary of the Disney afternoon block. So it Mm. was really the, the true anniversary panel. I, I really enjoyed it. And we, had like Jim Cummings and Katie Lee and and Gummy Bears co-creator Jim Magon and Schnookums and Meat creator Bill Kopp. That was really special. I know a lot of these people have been on Saturday Morning Rewind before, so your listeners should know about them. And I actually have to say that Katie Lee is the reason why we started all this. 
What most of your listeners wouldn't know is that besides doing DAF radio, I was also her social media manager for a short time, and I, I helped her run her Facebook page and her Twitter account. And I was also kind of helping her get into some conventions before ultimately uh, CelebWorks stepped in. They're much better suited for that stuff than I am. Right. Frankly. And so I was helping Katie get into LA Comic Con, which was uh, called Kamikaze at that point. I love that name better. I do too. It's just, it's just, it's cool. Kamikaze, but. Right. Well, Stan Lee's Comic-Con often makes me think of, you know, the initials SLCC. I know it's LACC, but it makes me think of Salt Lake Comic-Con and it's just complicated. I'm surprised exactly. they went that route. I think it's complicated. I, I wish they hadn't, but it is what it is. So, yeah. but at that year, but that time, that year, it was still Stan Lee's Kamikaze. I was trying to help uh, Katie Lee get into the convention and I, it's still kind of a whirlwind, but somehow I went from repping Katie Lee to get into the convention to, oh, I'm going to host a panel. <laughs> and I, I was like, okay, can I do this? And, and believe me, I, made, I did make some mistakes. Uh, the biggest mistake was is that someone representing Bill Farmer reached out and was like, hey, we would love to have Bill on the panel. But at that point, I had it all like a month to go and I had never done a convention before and I was like I've got my panel set I don't know if I can honestly if I could go back and redo it Bill Farmer would be on that panel mm. I really wish I had done that but but you know nonetheless it was still great I reached out to Len Uli who was a writer on a ton of the Disney afternoon shows Darkwing and Gummy Bears and DuckTales all of them of course Katie Lee was on the panel of course I had Bill Cop that was there and Jim Magon, it was just a fantastic panel, Jim Cummings. And then I did something that I've never been able to replicate. We had the original DuckTales theme song singer, Jeff Paschetto, actually surprised everyone at the very end of the panel and led the entire audience in a rousing rendition of DuckTales. Wow. And that, even the That sounds like uh, it's worth the admission alone, and it's free. <laughs> well, kind of, sort of. Exactly. <laughs> Even the panelists didn't know. And I think when I look at all these panels, my favorite memory was seeing the look on Jim Cummings' face when he realized who was coming up to the stage. And even he was like, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That was great. And and you know what? It it really makes it all worth it for those little moments. It Mm. really does. It really does. But so we had a great panel. Mm-hmm. And then we came back the second year and I was like, you know, well, I, I want to do some panels specifically for shows, not just everything in general. And it was the Darkwing Duck 25th anniversary. And I already had a good relationship with with Katie Lee, obviously, and with Jim uh, Cummings. And I was like, you know what? I bet we could get together a Darkwing Duck panel. And so I reached out to um, Michael Goff. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. I reached out to Tad Stones. You got to have Tad Stones. I was able to get Jeannie McSwain. Wow. You know, Jim Cummings has talked about how Darkwing Duck, Tad Stones is Darkwing's dad, and Ginny is Darkwing's mom. And I was like, we've never seen a Darkwing panel with Darkwing, his mom, and his dad. That is true. We need to make this happen. We need to make this happen. But this this time, though, I actually reached out to CelebWorks for the first time, who were fantastic. They helped me get Michael Bell which I don't think I could have gotten him without them. So, yeah. you know, it just, it, it got bigger. It got bigger. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with Darkwing Duck, I was like, this is fantastic. You know what? We should keep this going. And so there was talk of a DuckTales 30th anniversary panel. Um, like the day of the Darkwing panel. We're like, we got to do something for next year. Huh. 
And that was what the plan was. And then a couple months in, it kind of died for a bit. And we almost didn't do the panel. And I think it was a couple reasons why. Uh, one was just my personal life. Mm-hmm. And a big reason why DAF Radio is kind of starting to wind down. Um, I am trying to re-release all the, all the old episodes, but the full interviews. I, I trimmed and edited a bunch of stuff. I want to get as much stuff just out there before I completely move on. Hmm. But I was living in L.A., which made doing these panels a lot easier. But I ended up moving to central Washington. It's a lot more affordable over here. But it's also hard to do convention panels as a result. Right. You know. Right. And I don't have to tell you about that. I know, Gary, you, you're kind of in different parts of the country. And I know Tim's over in a different part of the country. And it's it's really hard to get stuff together, you know. But it, Tim, Tim has it a little bit worse than I do in terms of just being where, like, very little happens in terms of conventions. Exactly. And, and you know, it made it easy for me, too, because... I was there where basically everyone that I'd want on a panel lives. I mean, there's a few mm-hmm. voice actors that live in like New York or wherever. There's a few pro- old producers or writers that live in wherever. Right. Know? But the majority live in the LA area. Mm-hmm. So it made it really easy to get them together. Hey, come to downtown LA for like a couple hours, do this panel. You'll love it. You know, right. really easy to get it together. Yeah. So there was that. I knew that this move was pending, and I just was kind of like, you know what? I don't know if, if I can deal with the stress of moving and getting a panel together. And then the other thing was actually the DuckTales reboot. Um, I just, I kind of started to feel like maybe people don't really care about the the old show as much as I thought. Mm. Now that this new shiny nickel is there, maybe people just want the reboot. So... Do I really want to do all this work for something that people aren't even going to show up for anyway anymore? Mm. You know, it's kind of the way I was starting to feel about it. And because it is a lot of work, I need to stress it is a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Managing all these different people. And well, I mean, like you, like you said earlier, you know, thank God for the CelebWorks guys, because it is a full-time job to, to, you know, get people to gigs and such. It is. It is. And, you know, honestly, I don't know that I could do any panels, even if I do ones in the future and I will give everyone a little hint. Should things work out, there is one other idea I have for possibly coming back next year. And I know you and, and Tim have an idea for something possibly. I don't want to say too much more in case it doesn't work out. But, right. You know, there's great there are ideas that we have. We generate. It's, you know, we, we know the right people. It's just, can we get there logistically? Do we have the money for airfare, for mm-hmm. hotel, for... You know, getting all that stuff together. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. And so it was, there were several months where I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do DuckTales. It's just not It's just not feasible. It's not going to happen. I need to move on. And well, then, you know, several months go by and I actually am moving to Washington. And I just can't let it go because I never liked Elsa anyway. So I was <laughs> like, you know what? I, I love... DuckTales. Yes, there are a lot of struggles and challenges I'm finding because I, I have been a little bit more critical of, of the reboot and long story short, ultimately if you're a fan of any property like Bill Hunt said beautifully on um, Midnight's Edge a little while ago, um, ultimately if you stick with any property, doesn't matter what it is, the copyright holders are going to do something that is just going to gut you. It's just the way life works, mm. you know. And I've 
been through that with other fandoms, and I kind of feel like I'm starting to go through that with the Disney afternoon, of all things, me of all people, you know? But it's life. Mm-hmm. It's life, you know? It is. But, um, so I just, I just wasn't feeling it, but I was like, you know what? You know what? I don't care. I love classic DuckTales. This is the time I can put this together. I owe it to if no one else myself to do this, because if I don't do it, this is the time I'm going to go like 20 years from now and go, I really wish I had done that. Why Mm. didn't I do that? You know, we already have lost Alan Young. There's a number of other voice actors from the show that are no longer with us. Mm -hmm. While I hope those that made the panel and some that I was trying to get to the panel will live many, many more years. We don't know that for sure there's going to come a point where this panel will just be impossible to put together, Yeah, you know? And, and so I was like, no, I need to do it. And so I decided I was going to do it. So I messaged the CelebWorks guys again, fantastic. And I was like, you know what? Who do you represent that worked on DuckTales? Hmm. They came back, they gave me a list. I go, that's a great starting point. Let's move on. Um, for me, I don't like to just do a panel with just voice actors. While I know... That's who the audience wants to see because that's the most, you know, that's where the spotlight is for any film or television. At the same time, they're just hired to read some lines. Right. Now, certainly, if you get a voice actor that's been in a role for a really long time, like, say, a Bill Farmer, you know, with a Goofy. Um, yeah, Bill. Bill's pretty good about talking about Goofy. He's been there long enough. He'll, he'll give you some pretty cool behind-the-scenes stories, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I like to pair them with showrunners, with writers, producers, directors, a lot of those kinds of guys. And I feel that the best panels are a nice mix between the two worlds Mm -hmm. there. Um, And so I was reaching out to Jim Magon. I was like, hey, because he was a writer on DuckTales. Do you want to do this? I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then I reached out to uh, some other people. Hey, let's get this going. And then slowly we started building this and then the big thing was when i got um Rusi taylor certainly that i was that was huge mm-hmm. that was huge i don't i'm still not sure how that happened <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know that i could do it again honestly but um she is just so fantastic such a wonderful person I don't even have to tell you, because here's the thing. I've never actually met her face-to-face. I only talked with her over the phone. You actually have met her face-to-face. So, But she's just such a warm, wonderful person. And if there's one thing I want to stress to Disney fans is um, she's the real deal. She really is. Bill Farmer, too. I mentioned him. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I just, I could go on for hours about both of them. But anyway... So then it was like, okay, I can do this. And then I was reaching out to Tim Nidell, my good buddy, my good friend. Hey, Tim, you know what would be really cool? What if you and Gary came to L.A. Comic Con? Because you guys had never been before. Uh-huh. And Tim was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then at some point that turned into, you know what, Tim? I bet you could host a panel. I totally bet you could host a panel. That'd be so cool. <laughs> and then it turned into, at some point, I realized, you know what? I don't think I'm going to make it to L.A. Mm. And it was such a gut-wrenching decision because this is DuckTales. I love DuckTales. I wanted to moderate that panel. I really did. Yeah. But I started to realize, you know what? I'm not going to be able to make it. And so I had two options. I could either just kill it, which would 
thwart you know all any any fan that was there that mm-hmm. was present or any fan that gets to listen to this episode of Saturday Morning Rewind or watch it on uh, the DAF Radio YouTube. You wouldn't be able to because it wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one thing I don't I don't I don't know if I've even addressed in any other episode, but. Tim told me that this, you know, panel was coming together and that he was probably going to host it. And I was kind of on the fence because I'd already traveled a lot last year and, and I'd already been to California a time or two. And so I was like, I don't know. But the second he said, Rusie Taylor, I just dropped everything and bought plane tickets. It was worth it. It, it absolutely right? was. Yeah. Because like you say, you don't know when that opportunity will come around again, if it will. Exactly. But you hope. Exactly. Yeah. I was lucky enough one time in my life I got to meet Alan Young. Mm, yeah. And I think I knew, I actually tried to re- replicate that. I won't go into the details, but you know, there's some people that knew him. Hey, let's go visit him. He wasn't feeling well. And I think I de- knew deep down that one time I saw him, this is it. Uh. This is the only time it's going to happen. I didn't get a picture. I didn't get an autograph. I mean, a, a, an interview that would have been fantastic. I wanted to at least get one of them. Right. But you know what? I have the memory at least. That's true. I have the memory at least. That is true. And so and so I knew I knew that I needed to do DuckTales. I knew that if I didn't do it it wasn't going to happen because again, kind of not not knocking the reboot. I don't want to get into the whole reboot thing too much, but the fact of the matter is Disney is focused more on that than they are the old show. That's just the way it is. And honestly from a business standpoint, why wouldn't you do that? You want to talk about the new stuff, not the old stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So I realized if the the original show was going to get a panel, I had to do it. I had to do it. Yep. And so I decided if if I'm going to get this thing together, but I'm not going to moderate it, there's only one person on the face of this planet that I trust to, to do that, mm-hmm. and that's Tim Nidell. <laughs> so I said, hey, Tim, can you do this? And he's like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> it's DuckTales. Come on. Yeah. And so, and so we, I got it together. I, I made sure everyone was there. I, I, a people mover, if you will, you know, and I made Mm -hmm. sure Tim knew what he had to do. And I have to thank you and Tim again for stepping up and, and helping out. Um, You know, a lot of fans don't know that there was quite a bit of work you did besides just the panel. You actually had to make sure that everyone that was on the panel and the tailspin panel, which Mm -hmm. I'll come back later with for that, but you had to make sure that all the people, you know, that were on the panels got their passes and they knew where they needed to go. And that was, that was you and Tim. That wasn't me. You know, I, I gave you the information, but you did the legwork on that. So. Well, it pretty much turned into a full day's worth of work between tracking people down, getting, you know, making sure they were going to be ready and everything. So yeah, it could not have been done remotely, unfortunately. It is, and that's why if if it hadn't been for you and Tim, there just wouldn't have been a Ducktales panel because I can't do it from Washington right. State, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 again, because I had done the two previous years, I had done all the work that you guys did, mm-hmm. you know. So I knew I knew about that legwork, you yeah. know, because bless all these people's souls that are part of the panel, but they don't know where it's going and it's a mm-hmm. big convention and you get lost easy and yep. they need someone to say, Hey, this is where you need to go. This is, you know, and so thank you for doing that. And so I'm really pleased to bring the audio for this panel. I hope fans long after Saturday morning rewind and now DAF radio are just done, you know, and all there's left is what we've recorded. I hope fans are able to go back and enjoy this Mm. because it's, it was something truly special. 
um, that I was really happy that that you guys and CelebWorks were able to help me put together. And I think that just kind of talking a little bit about the panel itself, I think that um, my favorite parts of the panel involve Andrea Romano, who I also hadn't mentioned. Mm -hmm. Fantastic having her there. Um, I was able to get Andrea there through Ginny McSwain, who it makes sense. Yeah. They're, they're besties. They're good friends, you know? And so if I had Ginny for Darkwing, I had to have Andrea for DuckTales. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought it was special, too, with her because she's better known for the Batman, the animated series stuff, and the DC. And uh, she did DuckTales before any of that. Mm -hmm. yep. And so I was like, let's give her her due for... Her full career, not just the parts that she's best known for. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, and then, of course, Rusi Taylor there, fantastic. But I mean, we had, oh, who else did we have on that? We had Ed Gertner who stepped in. Jim Magon unfortunately wasn't able to attend that day, mm -hmm. uh, so he wasn't part of that or the Tailspin panel. But Ed Gertner yeah. filled that slot, and so he brought a lot of that producer kind of background knowledge for both panels. Will Ryan was there, of course. He was uh, um, Pete. Mm -hmm. And there's a very funny part in the panel where he talks about the name. I won't spoil it, but yeah. listen for that, Toonsters. It's great. <laughs> and then um, we had um, Doofus, of course. Right, Brian. Of course. Brian Cummings. Brian Cummings was there. That was great. And um, David Block. He actually was a director for DuckTales with a lot of these animated shows, just like a lot of live-action TV shows. There's usually multiple directors, but David was one of the directors of DuckTales, and actually he directed a lot. I want to say he might have directed the most. I might be wrong on that. But as he mentioned, too, it was the very, I think it was the very first animated show that he got to cut his teeth on and direct. So it was, it was really great having David there, too, because, again, like I was talking about the weight, there was things that he knows... That Rusi Taylor and Will Ryan don't necessarily know. You know what I mean? Very true. Yeah. Exactly. But at the same time, it was great having Rusi. Uh, she she was the other person I really enjoyed again on the panel. She shared some personal stories from her life and then working on DuckTales. Mm -hmm. I think Disney After Nerds, uh, Toonsters, whoever fans are going to enjoy... You should definitely stay towards the closer. Make sure you listen to the entire audio. Stay towards the end. Uh, Rusi talks about a job that she did before voice acting. I know you know what I'm talking about, Gary. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there will be notes and a test later, everyone. <laughs> it's It was really cool hearing Rusi Taylor talk about what she did before she was Huey, Dewey, and Louie and Minnie Mouse and a voice actress, uh -huh. I think people are going to enjoy it. So anyway, um, it was a fantastic thing. And of course, Tim did a, a great job moderating it. And, and what people that might have watched the YouTube version didn't notice, but uh, you were in some of the scenes. And I just kind of trimmed you out. Sorry about that, Gary. But, oh. um, but you were still there. You were still there and you, you really helped out and thank you so much for that. Oh, no so. problem. I, I've been, I've been running sound for a lot of my life, so I'm used to kind of being behind the scenes. <laughs> so I'm just kind of curious, since we're doing this, you know, before we kind of wrap up so people can actually listen to the panel, what were some of your favorite parts from the panel itself or 
just the whole experience. Well, I, I agree with you completely hearing uh, Will Ryan talk about Pete, because Pete's one of my, probably my all-time favorite Disney character. Uh, and I've heard Jim Cummings talk about him a lot. And I've even corrected Jim Cummings once at a panel. Uh, he didn't like that too much. But <laughs> <laughs> hearing Will Ryan's take was a lot of fun. And then hearing Andrea talk about recording Terry McGovern. Yes. That was that was a big highlight for me. Yes, yes. And I, 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 do, I should mention with Terry, because obviously people might wonder why he wasn't on DuckTales or Darkwing. So it was always my intention to put him on DuckTales, not Darkwing. The reason why I ended up not even asking was because he kind of went through a personal family tragedy. I don't want to, you know, go into it too much more than that. And he also lives in San Francisco. And so if if there's some some day, you know, someone, you, me, some other person, completely indifferent, uh, is able to get Terry McGovern on any kind of panel... That would be fantastic, you know, but I just, I, I just felt like he needed his space. So I wasn't even going to bug him. Right. Well, I mean, uh, you've thanked us and I want to thank you real quick because I mean, like, like you say, without you kind of playing puppet master, this whole thing wouldn't have come together as well as it did. And, and, and you did assemble such a great group because like you were kind of saying earlier, people want to see the voice actors. Yeah, that's that's true. Mm-hmm. There's there's no denying that. I mean, the voice actors are great. But whenever mm-hmm. you have just voice actors on stage, I've seen this, they tend to derail through no fault of their own, uh, you know, audience mm-hmm. questions, things of that nature, tend to derail the conversation from the subject that's being spoken about to, you know, other voices they did or other things of that nature. And having writers and show directors and animators and people like that on the stage help keep things on track. So I think you assembled a great crew. Exactly. It really gives it substance to have writers and producers and directors yeah. and artists and whoever else. Cause, cause again, again, you know, we'll, we'll say, you know, my, my apologies, Jim Cummings, we're using you as the example. <laughs> Jim fantastic as Don Carnage. And it's, it's not that he, there's not stuff about Don Carnage. He couldn't talk about, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, he's not Len Smith. Len designed Don Carnage. Len could tell you a lot about why Don Carnage looks the way he does. Yes. At the same time, Jim Cummings isn't Jim Magon or um, um, Mark Zaslov, mm-hmm. you know, who cre- co-created Tailspin together. So Jim couldn't necessarily talk about a lot of why Don Carnage, how he was formed, you know. He's not, again, Len Uly. There's tons of other writers, mm-hmm. you know, for the show. But Len Uly or Libby Henson, who are writers on Tailspin. So Jim Cummings couldn't talk about why Don Carnage did such and such and such and such an episode necessarily, right. you know. And just like the creation, the production of the show itself, you bring all of these different angles together mm-hmm. and you get the full picture, yep. you know, and... and Again, Jim Cummings is important. I know I he's very important. Yeah. You know, Don Carnage needs a voice, right? Mm-hmm. But you're you're only going to get part of the picture. And so that's why I with these panels, I always love to get from different sides of the equation because I feel like you get more weight. And certainly the other thing with these panels is there's a balance between kind of fluffy fun stuff and then some serious animation history, mm-hmm. you know. For sure. Um, I like to I like to kind of balance it between the two because if it's all just hard history, you're going to bore your audience. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Because <laughs> not everyone's into that, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, you also you can't just have fluffy stuff because you could also bore your audience. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that LA Comic Con has loved and why they keep asking me 
to well they don't ask me i approach them and they say yeah you got to come back (laughs) that's actually how it works it's worked out but one of the reasons why i think they keep letting me come back i really should say is because i've always approached this from a showman's mentality you got it's a show man you gotta entertain your audience Mm -hmm. Uh, that's why having jeff Paschetto in that first disney afternoon panel was such a big deal because i wanted to just shock people whoa who's this oh my goodness you know just just surprise people mm-hmm. um you know the duck uh, the the darkwing duck panel you know i had aaron sparrow who wrote the um the darkwing duck comics recently mm-hmm. uh he brought the comics and all the voice actors on the panel read a few lines that aaron wrote from the comics as the respective voices that's the cool factor mm. you know what i mean like yeah um, I, I really feel like you need that. And then you also need Tad Stone saying, well, back in such and such a year, you know, I came up with this idea for such and such a character. It's like this balance, you know, mm. some some weight and some cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, one thing that I'll say real quick is that, uh, you know, it, it's hard to tell from audio, but this was a pretty full room. A lot of people actually did show up for this. And that was mm. that was a great thing, because like you were saying earlier, you didn't know how much love the original series would get. But it did. I mean, mm. the room wasn't full, but it was it was a good sized crowd. And I honestly think that Rusi was one of the biggest draws for that because the amount of people who attempted to rush the stage after the fact to get an autograph with her. And then uh, we had to sort mm-hmm. of like go through the back hallways and weave our way around to just get away from them. And uh, it's it's the most I've ever felt like a security guard for the Beatles or something. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, I, I had similar feelings with um, with Darkwing Duck and mm-hmm. uh, the, the Disney Afternoon panel I did. But. I think I think just kind of bringing things back to to center here. You know what I came to realize is whether you're it's we're talking about just fans of the DuckTales reboot because those people certainly exist. Yeah. Whether you're talking about people that are fans of both, you know, in different levels. Mm-hmm. Whether you're talking about people that are strictly fans of the classic. You take the people that are strictly fans of the classic, you take people that are fans of the classic and the reboot, you know, but you still it's fans of the original whichever way they feel um there's still quite a few and i shouldn't i shouldn't have doubted it honestly and i'm really happy that we put this together because i think we had something really special and um you know it's uh it was it's a real treat to to present this to to everyone and i I hope people really enjoy it and understand that there's a lot of work that went into this but there's a lot of love Mm mm-hmm you know, I, I did what I did because I love DuckTales. I know you, you know, there's a lot of love from you. I know Tim has a lot of love. The CelebWorks guy, yeah, okay, so it is a job. But you know what? I know those guys well enough. I know that there's a lot of love from them, too. Oh, totally. Everyone that we had on stage, there was a lot of love. They just, you can't you can't do this stuff, you know, if, if you don't at least kind of like it. And, and in my personal opinion... DuckTales is the greatest half-hour animated program of all time. Hmm. And if it's not the greatest, it's at the very least top three, top five. It's one of the best. It deserves the royal treatment, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm happy that we were able to extend some of that to the show. 
All right. So Jason, thank you so much for being my co-host, for giving us this behind the scenes. Uh, it's been a fun, it was a fun ride experiencing it. It's been fun kind of learning about the past with the conventions because I didn't know everything that you've done in the past in terms of bringing these things together. And thank you for all the time you've put in over the past few years. Uh, where can people find more about DAF Radio? Well, and, and I'm actually kind of working on changing the website, but DAFradio.net is still there. The best thing to follow right now as far as DAF Radio is always the Facebook page. That'll be the last thing that I will completely drop, and we're years away from that. <laughs> so Facebook is, is fantastic right now. And then the YouTube page, uh, I mean, ch uh, account channel, I'm, I'm kind of building that up a little bit. I'm just pu putting up uh, some fantastic videos that I've been working on. I'm, I'm putting up extended interviews that I did before, stuff I hadn't released. So you can definitely check that out later. Um, it's it's great. I'm hoping that by the time I've wrapped up, I'm now kind of referring to as the DAF Radio Project, that fans will be able to look on it, back at it, on it, <laughs> and and be grateful that it's there. <laughs> you know, really has been a labor of love, and I've loved most of the time I've spent on it. And I've definitely loved working with you and Tim. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you yeah. for all of that. So And let's let's keep on working together as, as much as we can here and there. Got to stick together, podcasters, right? That's, so. that's right. But anyway, it, with, with great enthusiasm and love, I am proud to present the DAF Radio and Saturday Morning Rewind presents DuckTales at 30 panel. I really hope everyone enjoys.
Andre, I want to start with you. We recently lost Alan Young. What was Alan Young like? Alan Young was the most wonderful human being on the planet. He was gentle and kind and smart and talented. And a perfect story about Alan is years and years after we worked on the series, hey, there's a real baby in here. <laughs> or unless that's a very talented voice actor. <laughs> um, I, you know, DuckTales, I'm proud to say, was the very first series I ever voice directed, which Woo! was incredible. Um, but Alan was, you know, well known. Everybody knew him from Mr. Ed and uh, the Time Machine. Okay, yeah. Time Machine. And yeah. he was just a wonderful, wonderful actor. And, um, and we had not worked together for years. And he did a little bit of work for me when I was at Warner Brothers. And I was shopping one day and reaching, you know, I'm short, reaching for something <laughs> way up. And somebody stands beside me, I didn't see who it was, and they just said, oh, can I help you? And I turned and it was Alan Young. Mm -hmm. I just thought, he's the nicest guy on the planet. He had no idea who I was, he was just being helpful. And, um, and I'm so sad that he's gone because he was just one of a kind. I don't know anybody else who was like him. Beautiful, beautiful man. He's wonderful. Why are you there? Because I didn't work on that. That's the voice of Sunny Gummy from Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bear. <laughs> and wow, wow. I haven't seen you in a long time. Lucy, tell yes. me about voicing Huey, Dewey, Louie. Uh, what do you want to I want to know everything. <laughs> well, um, sorry. Yeah, so did, would you, would you, did you give them distinct? Yes. Okay, what did you do? Um, it, it used to be that they would take Donald's voice and speed it up, and it was always Ducky Nash. When Ducky died, they were, uh, it's 84, and they were um, casting for Sport Goofy. And they said, well, um, let's hear what you can do. And I, I said, well, do you want them to all sound alike or do you want them to sound different so you know who they are? And they said, well, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, what I did was I, let's see, Dewey sounds like that. And he's right there and then Dewey's a little bit lower. And then, Louie's back here and he's nuts. <laughs> wonderful thing happened where they asked me if I could sing as the nephews. And I said, this is <laughs> Actually, a quest at all now, school, la shamiri goza, quando vedo entrata,
just knocked that thing out so fast. We were all together, but she knew what she was doing so well. She just got us ripping through. And the energy from all of us being together, that added to it as well. Oh my gosh, she was incredible. I had never worked with somebody who worked so fast and so efficiently ever before. She was just amazing. Good. The ensemble record. They're the key. best. It was just key. Yeah. You know, when you record ensemble, you can run a scene once, twice, three times. You know you've got it. It's there. It's in the can. If you record actors individually, you're never sure what the guy before or the guy after is going to do. So you have to get many, many more takes of every single line. And you're never sure if everything is going to cut together exactly right. Ensemble, a big part of acting is reacting. And so when the actor before you speaks, you get to react to them. And then you really know whether the scene works or not. So that was a big part of why that show worked so well, I thought, was the ensemble record that we did. We, we used to always do the ensemble records uh, for years and years and years, all different shows. And then I, I, I think it's pro tours that, that changed everything because they could edit on the spot mm. and they liked to do that. Or it was the fact that I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> you remember that, right? I do. Oh my gosh. Well, more questions? Webby. Oh. What's something about Webby? I just, they, they kept wondering if she should have a dub sounding voice, and that didn't work out. And then they kept uh, auditioning children, and then one day, I don't know who that was, I don't remember who it was, said, um, well, who's he has kids? Let's see who's can do it. may have been Ted and Patsy. Oh, you know, oh, Ted yeah. might have been Ted and Patsy. Probably was them, because they were the head writers. Right. Oh, that's right. Do you, do you know who they are? They were wonderful, wonderful writers. Which I think they were much worse. They did. Yeah, they were head writers of the whole the whole sixty five episodes. Yeah. Yep. It was so sweet at the end of the whole schmigate. Everybody signed everybody's scripts and they got they got spells. It's such a family, wasn't it? It was a family. It has oh, they want to ask me. Well, it's a sort of like me as a story. Alan remembers and never forgot until I swear almost the day before he died. Do you remember when I brought my bird? Mm -hmm. I, I found a bird. It was this big and didn't have all of its feathers. It was a mockingbird. I thought it was dead. I picked it up, but I could feel that it was still warm, and I sort of felt like there was a heartbeat. So I called up and said, I might have even talked to you. I couldn't play. I had to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and I took this darn little bird to the bed. It cried my mouth open better. Handed her to me in a little box with a whole bunch of stuff, and I took it to the session. And she came to nearly every session for a long, long time. And Alan remembered that and always asked me whenever I would say, How's the bird? She's fine. Her name was Snappy. And boy, she was funny. <laughs> okay, I won't talk anymore. Ed, as a uh, layout artist, what all did you do on DuckTales? Well, we, well, I came in. Just after it started, there was somebody else there. Uh, Ed Wexler and Mike Carraza had started the uh, sorry uh, had started uh, the show, and I came in and we designed uh, Ducks, uh, Money Bin and all the, the cities, and places that they went to. And it was funny because there were three. Alan, Alan, the guy named Clark, his last name is Clark, yeah. uh, and me, yeah, the three yes. of us. We had, there were two of us doing drawings, <laughs> and we got to the point where we were doing 30 key drawings a week. 
decided to go. Which, on one hand, was fun. On the other hand, you know, give us a break. But it was it was a lot of fun because we could uh, experiment with different uh, styles and different locations. And, uh, working from the scripts were great because they went everywhere. That's right. It was a beautiful looking show. Just yeah. beautiful. Background was gorgeous. I always wanted to swim in that. Coins. You, when you think about it, it would really hurt. <laughs> you really I was the bid was the most fascinating. And you also have to remember that back in those days, all the backgrounds that Ed would draw up, they would be hand painted. They weren't digitally painted. They were literally hand painted. And the the volume of of art that had to be generated for just one episode was extraordinary. It was a lot of work. What, and so what went into directing for you, David? Did, did you have to keep in mind like Carl Barks stuff when you were directing? Or? Yeah, um, I had come. I had actually met Alan Young on Mickey's Christmas Carol, which I was an animator on. Does anybody remember that? It was like, oh. so, um, I had animated Scrooge and Donald on that show, so I, I was familiar with Alan, and I actually was familiar with Clarence Nash. Uh, that was going to be, I think, his last, the last time he did Donald. And uh, so I had come off of um, the opening. Our, our first hit show was a show called Gummy Bears. This is eventually Gummy Bears. And uh, I was the overseas production supervisor on that. And it was a wonderful, wonderful show. It was very dear to my heart. Um, I was a character designer in the overseas production so as a reward for the success of Gummy Bears, they made me a director on DuckTales. That was my directorial debut for opening season of DuckTales. And, um, and with Gummy Bears, you had, you had Gummy Glen, you had Dunwin Castle, you had Igthorn's Place, Dreckmore, uh, you had The Forest, and those were kind of the key locations, and we kept returning to those places. So, to get onto DuckTales, it was like, what? We're going to go into a different place every single episode. So the demands of the show were very, very ambitious. And as, as that, you know, to be a director for the first time, that was really trial by fire. I never, uh, I never directed another series that was harder than DuckTales. Um, because you you hand out the show, the script, to the storyboard artists. And because of the volume that Ed was encountering and, and anybody else who was in the layout, we got behind really early in the season. Yeah. Really early. And, and so you're handing out the show to the board artists, and they go, well, can I have Venice? Uh, not yet. Haven't got it yet. And so the board artists had a tremendous challenge to sort of create layouts, even though they didn't have the layouts yet. You know, fortunately, we were going to places that people were familiar with, so that helped. But the roughs on the storyboard, you'd get the roughs back, and they were really rough. I mean, the characters were, were set in the, in the place, but um, holy cow, we were flying by the seat of our pants a lot of the time. And that was BC. Computers. That's right. Oh, it's all hand drawn and on paper and uh, and things like that. The only other thing I want to say about Andrea was um, because that was my 
my first directing gig, I learned a great deal from watching Andrea work. And eventually, I would go back and be the director on seasons four, five, and six of Gummy Bears. And I took that knowledge, I was voice directing those shows, and I relied so heavily, I, I, you get this, I get the script like right before our recording session. I, am, I go out to the park, um, we were recording a B&B sound, and I go out and review the script, and then go in, and, and I had actors like Katie, and Noelle North, and Corey Burton, and Michael Rye, and June Foray, and Brian Cummings, and Will Ryan. Um, I relied, so, you know, and it was an ensemble group. It was so cool to see all these people in the same room together. And I would, I would rely so heavily on their expertise because it was like sometimes you get on a roll and you get through two, maybe even three pages of script and you go, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And those were, those were all, those were all gold, man. I can keep, I can, I can, those three are behind me. I, I, you know, I only got this much more to go. Oh God, I was sweating bullets. But they're, 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 they're veterans. They were such veterans and, and they feed off of one another. And unfortunately, none, none of them would break up laughing in the middle of the session. But God, they were just beating <laughs> off one another. Because Rusi wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, there were some actors, I want to tell you. Um, there were some actors that just, man, they disrupt. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to name any names, but they're, they're wow, there's some doozies. I mean, oh, they were so great. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I want to point out Bill Scott from from everybody knows from Bullwinkle. He was our original Tony and uh, and Gruffy maybe uh, Gruffy Gummy, and uh, and then he passed away, and Corey Burton took over and did this incredible job. But it was it was really fun to be a director. Roger C. Carmel first season. That's right. Oh, and Lorenzo, Lorenzo Music. I'm forgetting Lorenzo. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was just a who's who. It was. It was. It was really, really cool. Did you mention Paul Winchell? Oh my God. That's right. Paul. Paul Winchell, who starred in. Paul Winchell was the pre, just the greatest ventriloquist the world had ever seen, and um, and and a. a, a could be a real difficult guy, but thank God he loved me for some reason. <laughs> he loved me because I had grown up with Char uh, with um, with Jerry Mahoney and Knucklehead, so I knew him very very well from the Ed Sullivan shows. And 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 Paul Winchell not only could do ventriloquism, he could throw his voice, which if you've never seen it, it's 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 surreal. It's so surreal. Not every ventriloquist can do that. No, and and so he's sitting out in the in this in the room at B and B. And I'm in the booth, and he made my watch talk. And it, it, I, it, I swear to God, you're going like, what the hell? And that's how great he could throw his voice. He was really an amazing human being. Also invented uh, uh, an artificial heart. So it, it was like, 
true genius. The artificial heart. He had all the patents on it. Yeah, yeah. Spent years trying to get the development money. So finally I, gave it to the research life, uh, hospital that uh, continued to work. So you know, I was just surrounded by this tremendously talented group of people, and that that was a really exciting time for me. Anyway, I hope I answered that. You did, yeah. <laughs> Brian. One of the sweetest characters in the show. Yeah, how did you come up with the voice? Did you just see a picture and just like... Yeah, his little chubby face. Every one of us has inside us, has that little kid. That kid has, it's naive and has that awe for the first time of, of discovering things. And so, and his perspective is always colored by his limited view of the world. So the great thing about this little guy was that he was wide-eyed and open to everything. He loved, he hung out with Huey Dewey and Louie, they were his best buddies. And he latched on to Launchpad as the guy that was the iconic hero. So everything that he would, everything about the Goofus was all about just, I want to discover what's wonderful in the world, and someday when I get to be really big and maybe I have stomach surgery and stuff, I have to be like, Launchpad, my superhero. Or maybe I can go into outer space and get a cape and be a superhero there. Who knows? Yeah. 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 No. sleazy kind of guys um, and and so we we had that kind of uh, um, Bowery voice kind of sensibility to us we were like street guys with kind of like urban accents and again we just had to kind of like differentiate on Frank Welker would be one of the Beagle boys not my uh, Beagle boys my favorite episode was we were pirates and we were assigned to be a barbershop quartet which is hard since there were only three of us and two of us the same but, but always one of those kinds of things where you just you, uh, you look for the and in animation it's great you find the strongest thread of the character and then some of the, the subtlety comes in the performance but as long as you find especially with criminal types you find the strong thread and you just be kind of sleazy so it kind of worked having something to do with my history in high school I think. <laughs> could you still do the voice the bigger voice is kind of like hey look let's go let's see I noticed somebody just came into the room they have any money you guys you got 50 million you can only go Friday because the, the fact of the matter is you got a very large cast of really wonderful people. These guys are kind of the colorful characters. What's great about those is you get to play them a little bit broader sometimes than the other guys do because you're taking a little bit less time. So they give you a chance to be a little over the top. With Leo Gorsi, are you listening wherever you are? Yeah. <laughs> and Will, Pete. I think Leo's with Hans Hall right now. He is such an iconic Disney character before you took over uh, the voice. Was it the first time you ever did it? Was it Mickey's Christmas Carol? Um, yes, yes. Uh, and then uh, after that, I did the Soccer Mania thing too. Uh, and he was one of the Beagle Boys in that. And, uh, and other things with the clock and so on. And, uh, and this. I, you know, it wasn't until I got here that I found out we're talking about um, this show. I thought it was about Disney Afternoons. So, I've given no thought to this. Just, yes, uh, Peg Leg Pete, as I call him. Yeah. And and yet, in none of the scripts was he called Peg Leg Pete. At, at the time, they were calling him Pete. Right. And in, in licensing up on the third floor ROD, I walked by one day and I saw Bad Pete. They were well, calling him Bad Pete for well, a while. It was, it was politically it was, incorrect to call him Peg Leg, because that, you know, <laughs> right. it's like that you, Disney gets into. 
legal issues or but something. But when I first came out here, they were they were actually calling them black people. Black people. Yeah. And that yeah. somebody noticed that that might be <laughs> that might be a problem as well. Yeah. So by the time we reached uh, these, uh, uh, even though we were calling him Peg Lake Pete, uh, he was known as Pete. Uh, now in these scripts, as I recall, uh, on Ducktales, he might have been Pete in one or two episodes, but he'd be Pedro in one. He'd be uh, a French Pietrol or something in another one. Am I right about that? And, and he had different names that were related to the main Pete because he'd have an accent, uh, you know, everybody in French or Spanish or something. A different episode. Hi, borrow some money. So many villains for so many cartoon studios. So, uh, so I actually was doing uh, that voice before uh, Disney's. I think, you know, they'd still get calls for uh, Billy Bletcher for a commercial or something. Wow. So, so I do it. You know? wow, and uh, yeah, but uh, I, got, I got to do. I don't know if you know this, uh, Dave, but uh, what, uh, what was that called? Uh, get a horse? Did you see that? Sure. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, you know, I, I yeah. got to do that yeah. uh, again. They used you had a lot of lines of that. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had me redo all of Billy's lines too. Uh -huh. just for, you know, yeah. using magic and stuff. But and Rusi. Yeah. Yeah. We we both worked on Ghetto Horse. Oh, we have been yeah. we have known each other for a very, very long time. Oh yeah, speaking of laughing, <laughs> the, the most fun in the world was just Breaking in between down. sessions. We we drive over to that little park near the equestrian oh, center. Yeah. Yeah, and just <laughs> hang around and just laugh. I yeah. mean, for five or ten minutes. Yeah. And we'd laugh because we were laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're the luckiest people on the planet. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> voiceovers. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that will do remember, I, I didn't recognize you when I came. Yeah, I know. We, did, we, did a we were going to do a short. Oh, that's right, yeah. Did, did we record that? Yeah. I think we recorded that. Yeah. I had a scene with um, uh, the Clarabelle Cow, I think, a lot of scenes. But Eisner came in then, and everything was. Uh, Since you also do the voice of Minnie, did they ever think about bringing in Minnie or Mickey into that film? You yeah. know? No, they didn't. Yeah. No, Donald. Donald was like the sacred cow. They, the, the, the amount of meetings we had. Oh. Can we bring Donald on to Ducktales? Oh my God! <laughs> you know, you, it was like he's the sacred cow. You can't bring him on. <laughs> so they, they, we got him on for maybe five, maybe yes. six episodes. Exactly. And, um, and uh, but you know, now with, with the Mickey shorts, I mean, boy, has times changed. Um, but at that time, it was it was a big deal to bring Donald yeah. on the duct tape. For, for a while, they didn't have any of the Each character lived in his own kind of world and space. So you would never have the princesses dealing with the 
you have the main characters or five main characters. But that changed. That's changed. We, we're all just having a great time together now. Oh, I, 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 you have no idea how much fun this is. You really don't. We failed at it. Shh, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone our secret. It's the best thing in the world to make a living. But it isn't as easy as people think. Excuse me, may I? You have to be able to hit a voice that may not be your own and maintain it sometimes for hours and hours. You can hit a level like this, you can go above, but you can't go below that level. So you're burning energy and you're really, really pushing it. It isn't as easy as you think. And, and also sometimes you have to sing as the character and that's another couple of hours that you're out there going, what? <laughs> but it's, and coming it's, back you have to really, you have to know timing, you have to know microphone, you have to know microphone, <laughs> <laughs> you have to know where to, oh, you have to know stamina, <laughs> exactly. That was another thing that was really interesting. All the old radio people who would come in, they would just work right to the mic, and then you'd have people come in who were, who were movie stars or, or yep. you know, stage stars, and they'd be listening and listening, and then their line would come, and they'd go, and then we ran around. <laughs> 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 what happened? Yes. Okay, I have a Carol Channing. Oh, tell us. Okay. Um, do you all know who Carol Channing is? Yes. <laughs> this is a relatively young audience here. I mean, she's a wonderful actress. And um, I was so thrilled to meet her. It was really exciting. And she was about as thin as this microphone stand. Just this tiny little thing. And she was, we did, where was the table read first? I thought it was so great. We would read through the script first before we recorded. And as she finishes the table read, I said to the engineer, I can hear every movement because she's wearing a starched cotton blouse. And it was every time she moved, it was And so, does anybody have an extra t-shirt with you to give her? Do you have any other clothes with you, Miss Channing? Nothing, nothing, nothing. I said, you're, you're not going to be able to move when you record. You're going to have to stand with your arms out and record without moving because we can hear oh darling she takes off her blouse oh. and hangs it on the end of the microphone stand and of course the entire episode in her bra <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you she was skinny 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 and this was the time when epaulettes were popular those big shoulder pads yeah. and she had just shoulder pads tucked under her bra strap <laughs> so the whole thing was this bizarre image I had <laughs> and she was awesome she was quite wonderful she had absolutely no shame about it this is a stage actor so you know so we used to watch her naked backstage but it was fantastic, and we were so lucky to get her, but I remember so well recording Carol Channing without the blouse on. I had to do recording multiple. And, um, and for recording sessions, the voice actors come in very casual, dressed very, very casual. I mean, T-shirts, jeans, it's just... No one's going to see them, so what difference does it make? Ricardo Montalban came in with the ascot and starched shirt. He was immaculate and, and so serious. And, and he comes up to me and he says, so what's my motivations? And I kind of went, what? You know, and, and he... It was, this was a performance, and he wanted to know the background of the character and, and where this fits in the context of the show. 
And boy, did he catch me off guard. It was like, you know, okay, all right, I'll, I'll get it for you. But he was just so self-absorbed in, in the moment. And he gave this great performance, um, but he, he, was, he was unique. That was a unique experience. Oh, I've actually seen that many times with other, other people who are on the stage or right. film actors. It's like, what, what's my motivation? I have a book for the month about it. <laughs> yeah. When I was there and I, I was out here and I was learning how to fly the trapeze and I had learned several tricks, I was pretty good and I loved doing it. And then comes kind of the month I got. It was unbelievable. This woman who was so beautiful, she takes her breath away. This Loretta Young sister, and he's been married to her for like 30 years. But I have a crush on him, so of course I go up, up the thing, and I'm standing there, I'm just gonna go out and fly, and I, no, I don't need to have the safety belt. That's just fine. I can do this trick. <laughs> I nearly died. <laughs> All for him. I fell. You fall into the net, you have to fall on your back, you fall on your head, which is what was happening to me when he died. And so I was twisting, and I, it was a terrible experience. And guess what? He never did. <laughs> but he was so handsome. <laughs> Andre, what was the main differences between voice directing something like DuckTales versus something like maybe Batman animated? Um, we're talking a much more of a comedy when you're directing yeah. like DuckTales, which is a different energy and a different, you know, there would never be a voice like Lucy's nephews in a Batman cartoon, unless we were doing something bizarre like Mrs. Pitnick or something, somebody, some weird yeah. character that would show up, but, um, <laughs> but uh, it's a different energy, but uh, to go back to, and, and to address the same thing, uh, it's about the acting, it, it's really about the acting, it doesn't matter how many voices you can do, it's, it's really about the acting, so regardless of whether you're doing a Batman episode, which is usually less character voices, or a DuckTales, which is very character voices, we have to, you have to know what the heck you're doing, who you're talking to, how do you feel about that person, what just happened, what's your history, where were you, where are you now? All those things have to be addressed because if the line is, we have to go over there, and you're talking to someone you like, it's, we have to go over there. If you're talking to someone you don't like, we have to go over there. Mm -hmm. Just very simple. Now, the audience doesn't have to know all that subtext, but it will actually come through. It will make it a much more layered performance. And so, really, my concern was making sure that it was clear because we had that challenge a lot in, in DuckTales. Yeah. Make sure everything Lucy said was clear. She was really clear. She was even more critical of herself than I would be of her. Yeah. And of course, any time Donald would show up, and we used the joke several times in the cartoon, which was blah 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 blah. What? <laughs> what did he say? And he was always giving the important information, but it was always the joke that we couldn't understand it. And um, and we also had to make sure that these characters all sounded like they lived in the same world. And knew each other well. And knew each other and had, had relationships and how did they feel about them? And did the Beagle Brothers sound like they were, the Beagle Boys sound like they were in that same world? And did they know each other? Did they all work together well? And they did. They were lovely. It was great to watch those actors work together. And Chuck McKay, we did talk about Terry McGovern and Terry, oh, on, Terry on the show. And, and it was such a family. It really was. But it, that kind of show, and not to say that we didn't laugh a lot during a Batman or a Justice League, yeah. we laughed a lot too. But the silliness that would ensue in a DuckTales recording was a completely different kind of yeah. And Terry didn't really record with the whole cast. He was he? up in San Francisco, that's right. Yeah. How was that back in that day? It was a while, but right. Yeah. Right. Um, 
we do phone patch then? Yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah. We didn't have any of that satellite record yet, so phone patch means you're literally listening over a phone line. So if there's static on the line, you're hearing static. Now, they were recording in the, the long distance studio, so they, he was recording in San Francisco, and he would record clean, meaning the static wouldn't come across. But listening to it on our end, we would hear the interference and you know police reports coming through on the telephone line. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but Terry would come down often enough so that he still felt part of the ensemble and that he still knew what the rest of the energy was. And we would record him in the same session in that he'd record, say, the first hour, and then the rest of the actor would come in for the remaining three, or vice versa. We'd do three hours with the actor, he'd come in for the last hour of record. And un unlike a Disney feature where Usually in a Disney feature, they just bring in one person at a time, and they'll have the storyboard up on the on the walls, and they walk that actor through. So they really have a, a good sense of what's happening in their scenes. Whereas with television, the storyboard's being done somewhere in there, but it's not done by the time the actors get in there. So all they have is the script and what you know. If they have a question, they'll answer the question. But they don't have the benefit of, of a visual pictorial thing to see what's happening, what's actually going to happen in the scene. They, they have to use a lot of imagination. And the miracle of all that is, the, in the art end of it, it's the same as the acting. You know, if you have uh, a dangerous character, you can put them in a dangerous spot overhanging a cliff or something like that. So we're all doing the same thing at the same time, but in totally different areas. And they all it all has to come together, which is a miracle. But it, yeah. it, uh, that it does, yeah. I think also the really most important thing for us always, we trust our director. The director has had the opportunity to see the art, know what's happening. Many, many times with many great directors, including Andrea, you'll read a line and you'll think that that intuitively is the way the line goes, and they will correct you and you'll change the way they're reading it based upon their direction. And I've been told many times, and I'd say, well, it does, that doesn't make sense to me. And they say, I know what's happening visually. Trust me, do the line that way, and it will work. And invariably, we see the show and we realize that's the way it works. And that's why there are great directors, so that we, our instruments can be directed by people who have knowledge we know. Yeah. In fact, the only time I remember seeing a, a storyboard on a Disney television show was the very first Coming Bears. Uh, do you remember that, Katie? They, uh, they showed us the storyboards because they were pretty proud of them. They were, and they were the best looking storyboards I'd ever seen for any television show. A lot of crew. Yeah, but also I think they had to have really defined storyboards because of the way the production was. Well, we were nervous because it was Disney's first show. And um, I'll, you know, for those that don't know, television's done overseas, it goes somewhere in Asia and usually, and in our case, Gummy Bears went to Japan. And, you know, it's Disney. We were, we were saying, okay, you know, feature, you take an animated feature, every one, you know, every, the rest of the world is here, and Disney is up there. And, and we want the same gap to be between our television shows and everybody else's television was shows. Was it TMS? It was TMS, yeah. yes. And so it was, it was nervous time, and, and the only reason I was hired, uh, I was hired away from features. I, I had been a features animator, and the person that hired me, a guy named Michael Webster, who, bless his heart, um, Michael said, 
I need a Disney guy to go to Japan to teach these guys how to do Disney animation. And, uh, and so that's what I did. But it was, it was tense time, you know? And, and uh, when I finally delivered the first pencil tests of gummy bears, there was a big sigh of relief um, because it was, it was a lot riding on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And was it first season or second season that a monsoon came along and, and delayed the... That, that was the first season. Yeah, I was over there season. for that. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. That was... I don't want to... Yeah, okay. No, 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 and I mean, it was weird because, of course, none of them spoke English. So, um, uh, but they caught on. And fortunately, I had, I had actually designed uh, about half the characters for the show. So I could draw them. If I could draw them, nobody could. But anyway, they, they, they did a great job. They really did a great job. And they went on to do show after show. I mean, they just got stronger and stronger. And they did our DuckTales show. And they, they did many of the shows. Many, you know, they just became this really great crew, and ultimately, we broke them off from TMS, and they became Disney Japan. Yeah. They, we bought them, and they became our part of us. So, um, yeah. yeah. So we have just a few minutes left, and I was talking. Yes, can I ask a quick question of the audience? Uh, First question is pretty easy. How many people have ever heard of DuckTales? Yeah. How many people have ever heard of Power Barks? Yeah. Good, good. Uh, uh, is that Carl Barks, yes. He was the inspiration for DuckTales. His, his Carl Barks comic books were the inspiration. They're beautiful reprints that have come out over the last few years. Yeah. He uh, invented Scrooge McDuck. He invented uh, the concept of the Junior Woodchucks. He invented the uh, Magic of Money the Spell. Band. Magic of the Spell. Yeah. Yeah. I used to correspond with him. Did, did you guys ever meet him? No, I never did. came to the studio? No. I did. <laughs> but uh, Launchpad was not his creation. That, that was yeah. something that came out of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Beagle Boys was his. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we need to start winding down now. Interesting thing, I was talking with Katie earlier. She said, Brucey, that you were in the circus at one point. Is that true? That's why I was flying and falling into that. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned the monkey buttons there. Yes. I learned to fly. Wow. And I walked to life. So how did you get in the woods? Yeah, how did you go from that to a safer? Yeah, I we, have, we don't mind having time for that. But. I was very, very young, and I was I left the country. I lived in Europe for a long time. I did a little bit of looping at Chimichita and and different places in, in Paris and in Paris and in Rome for lunch. And I loved doing it, but I had done on-camera stuff before when I was much, much younger. And I came back and thought I'd do on-camera stuff in the book up one day. And I went, oh, I want to do what Jeff Black does. <laughs> so that's what I went for. Nice. And the best thing is I had three people I wanted to work for, but I'm doing it with Mel.
think we need to stop there actually. I'm giving the uh, it's time to oh. go. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Really yeah. Yeah. Does anybody have a question? Do you mind if I ask? June and I knew each other for a very, very long time. Um, she was actually very responsible for getting me into the Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences, which uh, I, I met her when I was all of 24 years old, and she was unbelievably generous, uh, hardworking. God, that woman worked so hard, and uh, just was a true professional right up to the very end, and I loved her dearly. I was the first one in every session except one time because I tried to beat her. <laughs> I got there an hour early, she was there. I got there an hour and 15 minutes early, she was there. I, I had two sessions at B&B, morning and afternoon. Afternoon was one of these sessions, and June was going to be in it. And I just stayed right on the couch. <laughs> Thank you so much.